It's CES this week, and our mobility team has all the latest auto technology, mobility, and policy updates from the in-person and virtual show floors. Since most of our eyes are on CES this week, our Shift Mobility podcast is taking over Daily Drive through Friday. Our hosts, Leslie Allen, mobility editor, and Pete Bigelow, senior mobility reporter, will be bringing you fresh interviews with a number of CES players all week. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the Shift podcast. Just search Automotive News Shift wherever you get your podcasts. Now, over to Leslie and Pete. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Shift, a podcast about mobility. I'm your host, Pete Bigelow. Hi, Pete. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. This is Leslie Allen. As you may know, this is the latest in our series of CES podcasts. And Leslie, uh, dare I say, we're breaking new ground today. Uh, We have talked about, I think, every mode of mobility and transportation on the podcast before, but but never before boating. Uh, But but we're going to do that uh, today. Do you want to introduce our guest? Yes, we have a very special guest today. I had a great conversation with Dave Fultz. He is the CEO of Brunswick Corporation. And Brunswick is a name that people who are into boating will know very well. They they make marine engines and parts, accessories, boats, et cetera. So this is, um, and they are getting involved in using ADOS technology that we're familiar with Um, in the auto industry, advanced driver assistance technology, and using it for boating. And they have this entire strategy for autonomous, connected, electrified, and shared technology in marine applications. So um, Dave is going to walk us through that. So really looking forward to this. We're seeing a convergence in a way of marine and automotive. I mean, most recently, General Motors, I mean, took a stake in, what was it, Pure air, pure Watercraft. And uh, these are motors that use lithium-ion batteries um, to propel boats. So not We're just in the it. air, but in the water. <laughs> you know, and also at CES, uh, Hyundai is talking about Abacus. It's, it's autonomous boating uh, venture as well. So uh, to your point, we are totally seeing this convergence uh, of, of automated technology being used across transportation modes. Uh, a lot of news out of CES uh, beyond boating, of course. Uh, Leslie, we had, uh, among last night's developments, VinFast unveiled three more of its uh, electric vehicles, uh, which I believe are destined for the North American market starting in 2024 when they plan to open a, a U.S.-based assembly plant. Right, that assembly plant, and they're also going to be making batteries, as I understand it. So that, that's pretty interesting. Another thing that happened, uh, we had the press conference with Mary Barra introducing um, more electrification initiatives from General Motors, including plans to launch three Chevy electric vehicles next year ranging from $30,000 vehicles to those that cost more than 100000 So we're uh, really seeing an acceleration of electrification, especially at General Motors. We are, we are. And that, you know, certainly across the auto industry too, uh, as we talked about yesterday, Stellantis going uh, 
all electric on the Chrysler brand by 2028. Uh, and pre-CES in December, Toyota made, uh, you know, I think the biggest investment to date uh, announcement over 10 years, they're going to be spending $70 billion uh, electrifying their fleet uh, across the world. And Lexus is kind of first and foremost in that. And speaking of Toyota, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, remind our listeners today that we have a, a mobility forum event uh, through Automotive News that, that just took place uh, Thursday afternoon. And uh, they can go back and, and find our conversation with uh, Toyota Research Institute CEO, Dr. Gil Pratt, and, and many others throughout the industry uh, is on our website, autonews.com. That is great. And we hope you enjoy that presentation. We certainly enjoyed bringing it to you. And um, let us know what you think. Well, speaking of presentations uh, and, and conversations, why don't we cut to the chase here and uh, let's go to our conversation with Dave Fox from Brunswick. Dave, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Leslie. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, I'm so glad you could join us. And what's interesting is under normal circumstances, we would have been meeting at CES in Las Vegas. Yeah. And I know that Brunswick is one of the companies that ended up going virtual with your presentation. Can you tell me about that decision? And also, what would we have seen had we been together in CES? <laughs> yeah, it was a very tough decision. I know not, uh, not just for us, but for a lot of companies, we were disappointed to have to make the decision, but the trajectory of the pandemic and particularly Omicron uh, was causing such a lot of uncertainty. Uh, we've you know, consistently through the pandemic placed health and safety top of our priorities. And uh, we believed um, earlier in, the, uh, in 2021 that we could, uh, we could attend the show safely with, uh, with all of the precautions in place. But we began to see this new wave coming through and, and we felt that it was better to prioritize the, the health and safety of our employees. Although it was very disappointing, of course, we, we did do the transition to a virtual presentation and our team's done a wonderful job of uh, converting what would have been, I think, an excellent, uh, very immersive physical experience into an equivalent digital experience. Well, I, I would say that's the wave of the future, but um, in, in, a, in a sense, you don't want it to be the wave of the future, but it's no. good to have that option. <laughs> it's really good to have that option. So um, for those people who may not be familiar with Brunswick, mm -hmm. and I'm sure most people probably are, but can you give us a, just a quick overview of Brunswick and um, how it relates to the auto industry. And I know we're going to talk um, in a minute about mm -hmm. your um, strategy for connectivity and um, autonomy and things like that. Mm -hmm. But tell us about Brunswick, just sort of a high-level overview. So Brunswick is the largest uh, recreational marine company in the world. Uh, we own a lot of the biggest and best-known brands in propulsion, in boats and in uh, systems and accessories and other things. So we own a, a company called Mercury Marine, which is the has the largest market share uh, for outboard and other marine propulsion systems uh, in the U.S. and is a global company. And then if you're uh, familiar with boating at all, and some of your listeners will be, I'm sure, if you think about brands like Sea Ray or Boston Whaler or Lund or Bayliner, we own those brands, 17 brands, in fact, uh, in total. And then we own a lot of technology and systems businesses that um, 
apply their technology to marine, but also to other verticals like recreational vehicles and other other spaces too. And then finally, maybe I would say that we we own um, a shared access participation model called Freedom Boat Club that has um, about 300 locations uh, around the US uh, where people can go boating uh, in a, cl a club model without owning a boat. We're very innovative as a company. I think uh, since 2017, we have 450 patents uh, issued. So we're very proud of our um, innovation and technology. And as you mentioned, some of that has direct equivalence to the automotive industry. And in fact, our strategy around technology, uh, which we call ACES, which stands for Autonomous, Connected, Electrified, and Shared, is very familiar, I'm sure, to, to automotive uh, listeners. Those themes of autonomy, connectivity, electrification, and shared access are really um, bridge a number of different verticals. So how would autonomy work in a marine application? You know, uh, you know, we can visualize it on the road, you know, where mm -hmm. you have, you know, the sensors and the vehicles and you have the mm -hmm. infrastructure, but I mean, you're on the water. So how yes. would that work in a marine application? Well, I think we, we start by thinking about the intention. I, a lot of um, light duty vehicle autonomy is intended to, uh, detach the driver from the experience of operating the vehicle. Um, but with recreational marine, operating the vessel is part of the experience. So what we're trying to do really is assist the captain or vessel operator in some of the more stressful situations. Docking a boat can be a stressful situation if you're not familiar with it or if the boat is large. So we use um, or can use a suite of sensors and um AI um, to try and assist the, the operator or captain with those more stressful situations like docking and anchoring. The sensors that we use can be similar. We use uh, optical sensors, radar, but we need to see below the water too uh, because the obstacles can be either above or below the water. So se uh, sonar needs to be part of our um, suite of sensors. Uh, there are a lot of differences. Uh, though, of course, a boat has really six degrees of freedom. It can you know, roll and pitch and, and heave, whereas a vehicle is really operating in a more or less two-dimensional space. It really has two, two degrees of freedom. So when the, the boat um, uh, pitches or rolls, for example, a sensor like a camera can at one time be seeing the water, another time be seeing the sky. So we need to um, uh, think through how we apply sensor technology and sensor fusion specifically to our case uh, so that we get reliable input uh, for the system. Now, you mentioned the sensors. Um, is LiDAR part of that sensor suite as well? It really, uh, at the moment, it is not, but it's something that we're investigating. Um, really, uh, autonomy is really in the early stages in marine. Um, we're really focusing at the moment on, on in the automotive space on what we normally be termed ADAS or driver assistance systems. Um, so things like the equivalent of backup cameras, things that alert you when you're close to an object. And we're still working on um, feedback-based autonomy. In other words, uh, autonomy where the vessel takes action based on sensor inputs. Uh, we've demonstrated 
in a, on a prototype basis, automatically docking a vessel. But we're not yet ready enough with that technology to roll it out as a production solution. But really, so LIDAR could be part of the solution uh, eventually. Uh, our focus at the moment is, is more on uh, radar and optical um, sensors. Now, you have a partnership with Carnegie Robotics. Can you uh, right. walk us through that? What's that all about? Yeah, so um, we, we have a lot of technology in-house. In fact, we acquired a very large company called Navico recently that is a leader in radar and sonar. But we also are partnering with a number of companies to try and accelerate our progress in autonomy. And Carnegie Robotics is one of them. Uh, Carnegie is well-known in a number of spaces. They do autonomy for everything from military aerial drones to uh, autonomous uh, cleaning systems or cleaning solutions. Um, but their technology translates very well because it's designed to be extremely robust. So if you think about um, particularly military applications, uh, obviously the technology needs to be able to withstand a lot of um, G-loading, for example, um, uh, environments that are, are dirty and can obscure the sensors. And that's the kind of environment that is very familiar to us. Um, it's a pretty rugged environment, on a, even on a recreational vessel. So we need solutions that are going to be robust, and, and Carnegie provides us with that. We've been working with them now for uh, probably about a year. Uh, one of the interesting things we've been doing is instrumenting boats with their um, stereo camera systems and beginning to classify marine objects. So if you, you know, part of autonomy really is understanding what you're looking at. Is it a boat? Is it a person in the water? Is it a canoe? Is it a, uh, a dock? Um, and we're working our way through that process. A lot of classification that's been done so far has been really focused on um, light duty automotive. So there's a really well understood uh, kind of taxonomy of pedestrians and other types of vehicle and typical uh, road obstacles. But in uh, the marine environment, you might see an object that's very obscured. For example, a person in the water, uh, you might only have the head visible or the arm visible. So we need to understand um, how to classify those kind of objects. We were, you've been talking about the application of ADAS to, mm -hmm. uh, to marine. Are there lessons that automotive can learn from the marine industry in terms of advancing technology? I think, you know, in the, if you think about the ADAS space, um, it's clear that um, automotive is, is in the lead in that area uh, versus marine. But um, if we think about how a boat um, can respond now to um, inputs from ADAS-type sensors. Boats are very, very sophisticated now. So boats are controlled, um, larger boats anyway, with a joystick. So uh, rather than a typical wheel and an accelerator that you would use in a, in a car, you can use a joystick, which is much like a gaming joystick. You can move a boat now directly sideways um, just by pushing the joystick. You can spin it on its axis uh, just by twisting the joystick. Um, so uh, the boats, um, the sophistication of boat um, 
propulsion and vectoring of boats is well in advance of what is possible in the automotive space right now. It's interesting as electrification enters automotive that the ability to do some unconventional maneuvers by operating the wheels in different ways is being explored, but we've been doing that for a long time. Uh, close quarter maneuvering in a boat is very um, is very uh, sophisticated. And then we've been running autopilots uh, for a long time, uh, GPS station keeping for a long time. So I think there are some uh, places where we're ahead, but I would say in general, in ADAS, uh, certainly we're not we're not quite there with automotive yet. Is there any active uh, collaboration going on between the two industries? And um, what are, are there opportunities out there for um, these industries to not merge, but at least work together? Yes, there are. There, there are many. Um, and that can be on a kind of um, personnel or intellectual capital um, basis. We have a lot of people in our organization who uh, were in the automotive industry and came from either OEMs or tier one suppliers. Uh, I spent um, almost 20 years working for Ford Motor Company uh, before joining uh, Brunswick. So um, we have a lot of uh, people migrating between the two industries, if you like, uh, probably a lot more than was ever uh, there previously. Uh, we're we're uh, bringing in a lot of people to the company from automotive on electrification, on connectivity, and on um, autonomy. But then there are definitely areas of technology in which we can collaborate. Automotive is a great way to take cost out of uh, these kind of systems because automotive has huge volumes compared to you know the scale of recreational marine. Um, so taking costs out of sensors, cameras, even LIDAR, as you mentioned earlier, Leslie, those are the kind of things that we rely on to get affordability into uh, the systems that we use. We're going to take a quick break from Leslie's conversation with Dave for a word from our sponsor. This episode of Shift is brought to you by T-Mobile for Business. Exciting advances in network connectivity are taking place today. And the automotive companies that take full advantage of this will be the ones that not only delight their customers, but also increase efficiency in their operations. T-Mobile for Business partners with its customers to unlock the full potential of shared, electric, autonomous, and connected vehicle programs, while also providing connectivity and IoT solutions for manufacturing facilities and dealerships. With experience serving customers and partners ranging from major OEMs, tier one suppliers, and innovative startups, T-Mobile for Business offers an exceptional understanding of the challenges facing all parts of the automotive industry. And to help you address them, T-Mobile for Business has automotive industry experts on staff who are dedicated to providing exceptional service and working with you to develop custom solutions. But industry expertise is only the beginning. When you partner with T-Mobile for Business, you also get access to a strong, reliable network that can help you take business to the next level, delivering the best customer experience in everything from telematics to infotainment to comprehensive IoT solutions. And when you're ready to tap into the power of 5G, T-Mobile for Business is ready to take you there with the largest 5G network in the country. To learn more, visit tmobile.com/business/auto. 
The future of the automotive industry will be written by the unconventional, and T-Mobile for Business wants you along for the ride. Capable device required, coverage not available in some areas, some uses may require certain plan or feature. CTMobile.com. And now back to our conversation with Dave Fox from Brunswick. Can you tell us about your um, time at Ford? I mean, what, what were you, was your position there? I had a, a long career at Ford and, and a very enjoyable career. Um, I was a powertrain chief engineer, a vehicle chief engineer, a vehicle design director, um, worked on a lot of different vehicles and uh, had a very enjoyable time. Worked for Ford in the UK, in Germany, in the US, uh, launched a number of um, a number of vehicles with Ford, including uh, the first Ford Fusion, the first Ford Edge, uh, in a lot of vehicles that are still um, around. I'm very proud of my time with Ford and, and uh, really enjoyed it. And it's a, a great place to learn uh, about technology and uh, learn about engineering, learn about product development, learn about manufacturing. Now, of course, a lot of these vehicles now, and some of the ones that you worked on are now <laughs> going electric. And, yes. Um, is electrification how what's the uh, status of electrification in the uh, in marine right now well it's, you know it's interesting if you look back in in time a little bit like you you do you can in automotive and you see decades ago that electrification was present in both in you know in both uh sectors um uh, electrification is coming more into marine um, but really into more niche areas at the moment. Uh, the power requirements for a boat are much higher than the power requirements to push a, a light-duty vehicle on, on a road. So even with the latest battery and propulsion technology equivalent to automotive, um, you can't get the range and performance uh, from an electric boat that you can get from a conventional boat uh, by quite some margin. Uh, and then there are a lot of other considerations in boats, you know, electric, high voltage and water, obviously, are not two things that you want to come into contact. So, um, so you have to be extremely careful about engineering uh, the systems that go into marine applications. But um, there is some progress um, in smaller power applications where um, a lot of range isn't required. Um, electrification is coming in and, and we will have some products in that area launching this year and next year. Uh, and then there are some niche applications, like, for example, if you have a, a launch, which will be a boat that takes you from the shore to a larger boat, typically, the range of performance requirements are not that uh, demanding, so electrification can, can play a role there. So we're working hard on it, but um, fundamentally the physics of, of marine uh, make it a more challenging uh, application. Uh, but we are building our technology uh, stack, if you like, in electrification. Uh, we acquired uh, a lithium-ion battery technology company uh, just last year. Uh, we have a lot of technology in-house already, and we expect to be a leader in that area. But it will advance into marine more slowly than it's advancing into uh, light-duty road vehicles. Now, one of the... Uh one of the highlights of your CES presentation is your partnership uh, with the E1 Racing Series. So mm -hmm. um, can you uh, tell us, first of all, what that is and um, mm -hmm. 
what are you, what is your role in that um, racing series? Yeah, so um, the E1 um, racing series is, is uh, on water racing, a boat racing series, which is kind of in development at the moment. But uh, for your listeners, if you think about it, very equivalent to Formula E, uh, a lot of uh, the same people are involved. Um, the idea is to supplement um, what is a very active racing circuit for boats. Um, there is a formula, uh, a number of racing series in boats uh, with an electric series. And um, we uh, did have or did plan to have on our stand the prototype of the first boat, the race bird that would operate in that series. Uh, it's a, a foil, what they call a foiling boat. In other words, um, the boat rises out of the water on planes, a little bit like aircraft wings, if you like, that reduce drag. It's powered by uh, an electric uh, motor, and there's a high-voltage battery uh, in there. And um, Mercury Marine, which is one of our companies, is providing the propulsion system for that series. And then also uh, others of other uh, brands that we own are providing the navigation systems and in the cockpit systems for that boat too. So we're heavily involved in the development. Uh, and um, the boat is a very spectacular looking boat, uh, both statically and in operation. Uh, we have it on our website. You can see all this on Brunswick.com. Uh, so we have renderings of the boats and, and images of the boat. It's a, it's a very exciting looking uh, piece of technology. I would be remiss um, in not asking you about your CES Innovation Award. Now, um, you were one of the companies that were, were recognized by CES mm -hmm. this year. And um, that technology is, what is that? The, uh, your V12 600 horsepower Verado. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, you, you pronounced it exactly correctly. Yeah, so um, we, we've been awarded, actually we were awarded uh, last time we were at CES. Uh, in 2020, we were awarded for a, a marine uh, safety system. But this time, we were very excited to receive the uh, award for our 600 horsepower outboard engine, which we call Verado. Um, it is a, um, a V12 um, engine, first time that's been done in an outboard. And the first time that an automatic transmission has been introduced to an outboard engine, too. Um, a lot of other innovations uh, in the engine. It's completely operated electronically. Steering and throttle is all electronic. It has a very advanced steering system. But one of the exciting things about it is it's the most powerful outboard on the market, but it's also one of the most fuel efficient. So typically uh, 20 to 30% more fuel efficient than equivalent outboards because of the combinations of technology that are on board that engine. And uh, finally, Dave, CES is all about innovation. Yep. And I would just be interested in your thoughts, and forgive me if this is too general a question, but your thoughts on igniting and encouraging innovation in your industry mm -hmm. and even in the auto industry. Yeah, it's, um, you know, my, my, uh, I come from an interesting background for a CEO. I was the chief technology officer before I was the CEO, and that is becoming more common. But, but really is still not a common path to a CEO. But I think it is a good indicator of the trend and the, towards more and more importance of technology in the future of all kinds of businesses. And we emphasize um, advances in technology um, a lot. We think that being a leader in technology is 
part of being a leader in the industry. But we don't just emphasize innovation in technological terms. We also emphasize it in business model terms. So I mentioned earlier Freedom Boat Club, which is a, a shared access way to participate in boating. Um, those kinds of business models that introduce a newer, younger, more diverse um, set of participants uh, into an industry, including into boating, and they've been very successful in doing that, are a big part of our strategy. So our innovation really is around um, elevating the boating experience, but also encouraging very broad participation. And we can do that by with technology as an enabler, making it easier to boat, but we can also do it with business models as an enabler, you know, having different ways for people to participate that don't necessarily have to involve uh, buying and operating your own boat. I see. And our time is um, at an end. Is there anything else you wanted to add about what's uh, exciting at Brunswick right now? Well, uh, please visit brunswick.com uh, and you can see uh, a lot of the content uh, video content, images, uh, and uh, presentations that we had originally intended would be part of our physical exhibit at CES. But you can still pick up an awful lot of the excitement of that exhibit um, by uh, viewing those videos and understanding more about our technology and our path forward. Well, I'm heading there right now, right after our conversation. <laughs> so thank you so much, Dave, for joining us. Thank you very much, Leslie. It was an absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed talking with Dave. That was a great way to wrap up our coverage of CES, but we have more coming next week. So Pete, can you tell us what's happening? Yes, uh, Leslie, it's kind of funny. We're, we're talking about how we ventured into the marine realm on this podcast. Uh, we're going to take it in a, a different direction uh, for next Monday's podcast. We'll be talking with Deanna Kovar from John Deere to hear about the, uh, the applications of autonomous driving technology and the agriculture realm. So we're, we're really kind of covering all bases here on the Shift podcast uh, here in January, 2022. But, but John Deere made a, you know, a lot of news out of CES. And I think that our listeners will really enjoy this conversation. Uh, so stay tuned for that on Monday. Uh, but that is it for today. Uh, Appreciate all our hard work from our producer, Josh Freed, as always. And uh, thank you for listening. We will be back next week. 